Hi, Adam. So hi, everybody else. We are back for Tuesday Toolhouse Tool. And today, um, Adam and I are going to be focusing on the management aspect of Toolhouse. So managing with emotional intelligence and love. And one of the things that Adam and I have been talking about and had been talking about as we were working together um, and also hearing from like-minded people and people also involved in education is the challenge around hiring qualified employees who are committed and really dedicated and, and, and hopefully, you know, people that are going to be long-term employees and actually step in and step up, you know, into the mission of the school. Um, and then also, you know, just hanging on to them. Um, I know that this is an issue from so many educators that I talk to um, in Montessori and outside of Montessori. Um, we know that it's a career path that people are, um, uh, you know, that there, that there's a decline in interest and people are somewhat avoiding it um, for, you know, multitude of reasons. And so, you know, um, Adam and I, you know, working together in leadership in a school have also experienced all of these challenges. And we also wanted to share kind of what that was like for us and also share maybe some uh, we'll share some things that we did to kind of address it um, and rectify it and and hopefully, um, you know, going for that win-win for the employee and for the school. So I know, uh, you know, when I was working with you at the school, there was a, a fair amount of hiring that went on. And Adam, you know, as I know, being ahead of school, and attending to the needs of the teachers and making sure the administrative of, you know, structure is running well and making sure the parents and the children are taken care of and then having to interview people constantly. It makes for a really long day. Um, and it also stretches you pretty thin. So um, I know that after I left, you were doing that as well or are doing that. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, I even had an, an interview today that didn't show up. So yes, yeah. I know that's <laughs> so crazy. I, doing. I had that happen to me like two or three times and then you call them and they don't answer the phone. It's like, really? So I, you know, that is one of the things that Adam and I have been talking about is the work ethic and the, the sense of accountability um, and ownership for, you know, oneself and also just kind of integrity, basic, basic grace and courtesy and integrity. Like you don't call and say you're not coming. Um, so I had that, that happen as well. And I, I had one person remember right before I left that came and she quit the same day, decided she didn't yeah. like it. Just, How do you know you don't like it in the first day? <laughs> yeah. It could have been that bad. It's not like the children were throwing rocks at her or something. So <laughs> I don't know. What, what have you experienced since, since you and it, since I'm moving more into consulting now and I'm not no longer there. Uh, a lot calling more in sick or not showing up. Yeah, a lot more of the same. People, um, they'll call in sick for a, a broken toenail, it seems. <laughs> Not quite, but but yeah, there's there's definitely been issues with staffing. And then and then even even hiring staff, you can put an ad out there and have have a great ad and get a lot of people interested. But then filtering through the right candidates and and candidates that that are really interested in working with kids and and understand the needs of a school not just a job that pays well because it isn't it isn't just yeah. sitting there 
and yeah. and keeping kids from from destroying themselves it's a whole lot more than that right so, and then and then if you remember when we were working together right before things oh no you weren't there um i don't think we were working together but it was right before thanksgiving where we um you know, three different people met with this one particular person, really excited, really upbeat and positive. Um, you know, we had a lot of um, excitement about this individual joining our team. Um, and then after Christmas, well, during the Christmas holidays, the day before we came back from the Christmas holidays, oh, well, my husband has a job now, so I'm not coming. <laughs> So, wow. you know, so we also had to deal with that. Um, it's just been really, really challenging. And I know that teachers and assistants have their own, you know, perspective of why education is so hard and, and the pay. And you still get, you still get some of those, some of those staff that, that are really, really talented that you want to, that you want to keep. So, so what are some of the things that you do, Sean? Um, to help keep keep the that top talent around when education isn't the highest paying yeah or, yeah. or sometimes it is the most stressful or yes. up there with the most stressful well i think support and professional development and observation and feedback uh, people want to be seen um and so i think um you know there are the times where we do our as school leaders we do our formal observations in the classroom where we actually take notes and we make sure that we highlight things that we see that are going really well both for the lead teacher and the assistant and then also make some suggestions which is also appreciated uh, especially for new employees they want to know what they're supposed to be doing and what the expectations and standards are um so that's really important and i guess backing up a little bit the onboarding i think is really really important so meeting with them for an extensive amount of time, going through the handbook, going through the administrative members of the team and who does what and who should they go to for what, um, you know, from those kind of bigger pieces to the calendar. And these are the events that we need you to show up for. And um, this is where you can put your, you know, here's a tour of the school, an extensive tour of the school. This is what you do when you're, this is where you park. When you're calling in sick, here's the procedure. Here's the oh. payroll, you know, system that we use. All of those little things and it, going through the drill procedures and the safety procedures and all of those things, I think really help them get, give them an orientation to the school. And then I like to take it a step further and have them observe at every level and take extensive notes so that by the time they start in the classroom, they have a sense of, of who these people are that they're working with um, and what classrooms in, in a Montessori environment are supposed to look like. On, on that piece there, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the observing since, since, since you've left that observing piece has become integral so much so that, that uh, even staff who have come from childcare centers, we give them three days, like mm -hmm. there'll be a day of orientation and two days of just observing in classrooms. And, and staff have mentioned how much that has helped them understand the role that they're getting into, having a clear list of what they're looking for when they get into a classroom and then sitting yeah. there and just observing and yeah. doing it at different program levels. And then asking questions to the teachers before they get in there and they're, they're responsible. Um, all of the it's staff that have done it have mentioned how valuable it's been especially being able to have more than just a day doing it. 
Mm-hmm. And then just seeing, I think it's really important for them to see that every classroom, you know, a lot of the materials are the same and the furniture is the same, but it has its own culture and feel. And that is a direct reflection of the teacher and the things that that particular teacher is interested in. Um, so that, yeah. And then I think making sure you're checking in on them. We, um, you know, especially after COVID, I found that the lead teachers need a lot of support and a lot of TLC um, for several reasons. You know, the children, some of the children haven't been in school for a couple of years, 18 months or so. So maybe they're a little bit behind. Maybe they're not used to be in a social setting. So they need, they need a lot of support with those things. Um, and so that's time consuming. And we have to carve out time to make sure that we're checking in with these assistants too and observing after school and staying late on some days and making sure that we're present. Um, Sometimes that being present um, makes makes all the difference right there because you can have a meeting where, where you just listen mm-hmm. listen to them and, and it could be catching a teacher on their way out and walking with them and they'll talk about it. And, and then they're really, really thankful that you took the time to listen to them because sometimes there's nothing you can do. Absolutely. And, well, and they yeah. don't feel heard. And that feeling of being heard makes a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and then um, I want to, you know, bring this up as well, because I know you and I talked a lot about this right before re-enrollment and, um, and, you know, we did our re-enrollment and then we had staff renewal contracts and so one of the things that we looked at, well, even before that, I, I, offered, um, assist, I offered any staff member um, a bonus if they found an individual who would come work with us and stay uh, for six months and then a year. They'd get a bonus after six months and then a year to kind of help that retention. And then the individual that was brought in was also given a bonus. Um, and then you and I talked about their contracts for the following year. And while our tuition rates were already set, and I don't think there's any school out there that can raise tuition enough in one year to raise uh, the salaries as much as we would like to as educators. Um, so we came up with a little incentive package. And um, maybe you want to explain that, what that looked like. So I thought I think that that was pretty um, inventive and maybe something that might be helpful for our fellow leaders, school leaders. It was, and, and our, uh, our teachers really appreciated it. So we ended up looking at the different ways you can retain some of those teachers and the staff once you get them, because people get really, really excited to start, for example, at the beginning of the year. And then as the year goes on, it gets tougher and tougher. And, and usually the most difficult time, which is January to March, um, you can lose people. And so we ended up deciding, okay, what, what type of bonus structures can we can put in that are, that are paid on the completion of a year that help with some of these metrics? So some of them were like, for example, for a lead teacher, they would receive a bonus if their classroom maintained an 85% um, student retention. Mm-hmm. So if 85% of the students came back, they got a bonus. And you had something for the assistants where if they were had a positive, upbeat, attitude in the classroom um, for for the majority of their year they got they got a bonus for that and that was something that that the lead teacher could track yeah. and as, be as, more proactive on the playground yeah exactly so you can, yeah. you can add in whatever things that you feel um, your assistants could use you some help with or or that you want that extra 
mm-hmm. just a little nudge to get them to get them excited yeah. about it and put it in a bonus structure that they get paid on the, upon the completion of their contract, which is usually it's in June, June uh, to May um, for schools or yeah. or whatever your academic calendar is. And so some leaders may be out there thinking, well, how is that measurable? Um, and so it is kind of but for the assistants, we really wanted them to um, be positive, upbeat, and professional and come to the person that they're concerned with if they have a problem, because it's so easy to hear somebody complaining and then just sort of get caught up in that and pretty much and then it's snowballing. And so then we also ask the teachers to keep a, you know, a running Google document of the meetings with their assistants where they're documenting how, you know, their observations of how they're doing in, in terms of being positive about being professional and how proactive they're being in engaging with the students and leading activities on the playground, particularly when, because that's not always necessary. We want children to have free time too. Um, but when children are starting to jump on, you know, hurt each other, and you can tell that they need a little bit more involvement and engagement. Um, yeah, so that that was a focus too. So I think, um, yeah, there are shortages out there. Um, the inventory is low. <laughs> You know, in terms of people who want to actually join the teaching um, industry now. Um, and I think that COVID really kind of had, took a, you know, toll on, on all of us as educators, um, given the virtual and the in-person, and some people were doing both. Um, and then kind of coming back to a new landscape where, you know, children are used to being at home, maybe. It was particularly rough for our, our toddler teachers. Um, I think because the children were coming in with very little fine motor development, very, you know, minimal language skills, having been kind of pulled up in their houses for much of the time to avoid COVID. So I think anything that we can do to incentivize them and to, to let them know that they're seen and valued um, and that we want the best for them. You know, we want to be giving them big fat salaries, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, so I thought that these would be good ways, good things for us to share. And hopefully there's people out there that have some good ideas too that can, you know, weigh in and, and respond as we post this podcast. Another another thing that we did that ended up that that Sean had this idea and this had to do with professional professional training for the assistants coming in. Because they'll come in and they'll get excited, especially if you're working in a Montessori school, somebody coming from traditional education, coming to a alternative form of education often their eyes are like wow and they get they get shocked at things can be done differently and uh one of the things that that helps is is getting them training that can mm-hmm. have that. and so we found um a program that will train assistants it's it's a one day week type thing where it's online and uh it's not overly expensive and we ended up throwing out the question to our assistants if they'd be interested in it and for example of the last 13 assistants that we hired um nine of them wanted to do the training immediately and two of them wanted to do it soon they just couldn't fit it into a schedule right now and they're really really appreciative for learning more about the pedagogy at the school that we're at and the philosophy behind it and how they can better support the Mm -hmm. children and teachers so some things like that as sean had mentioned the professional development but if if you have a way to tailor it specifically to Mm-hmm. what you're looking for at your school, that also brings a whole lot of buy-in. 
and you're investing in them, which helps them feel valued. You know, that back to that, those perceptions, everybody wants to feel capable, valuable, and powerful. So um, right. helping them, you know, feel valued um, before they even start. Um, we've, we've chosen you, we've interviewed you. Obviously we already think highly of you. So let's, let's start by value, valuing you so you, that you'll stay. All right. Well, I think that, I hope this was really helpful for people. It was hope, helpful for me just to kind of revisit all of it. Um, you know, just identifying what the challenges are and the struggles on a day-to-day -day basis. And they're, they're still going to be there. Um, and things don't change overnight. It's that continuum of change, you know? So these little, these little steps that um, we're taking and steps that other people are taking hopefully are going to... Um, you know, support a more positive path with recruiting teachers, hiring teachers, and retaining them, and staff and assistant teachers. Right. It's yeah. uh, it's definitely a struggle right now, and there's a lot of, as Sean said, that that pull from the other side of teachers who who want to work from home now, and mm -hmm. getting them in with everything that's going on, like for example, COVID and 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 the pay. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to get people to come in. And, and so finding those, those little things that make a difference for people like, yeah, I want to be part of this organization. I want to stay here. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. And for everybody else, everybody that's watching this, please let us know, you know, what, what your ideas, you know, do share, do comment on the, the podcast and let us know uh, what your ideas have been and what's worked for you. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. Always a pleasure. And thank you, uh, Sean. It is a pleasure. All right. And any other thoughts before we close? I think I think that covers it for me. Some things that help with looking at these bonus structures would be you could do something like like an activity based costing and see how much it would it would hit your bottom line. And, and you can look at kind of your different departments and what the cost of living is and, and what you're able to do. And at the same time, um, what is what is comparable to what is out there for a comparable position for the, for your assistants because um, that was something that we ran into at our school was we were just underpaying for, for what was out in the city at the time and so, wow. so had to do a bit of work to get it to that level and then we started getting more interest and the assistants were a bit happier and it's not about I would say at that level, it's not really about giving a lot but it's giving them as much as as everything else that's out there so you don't lose them Mm -hmm. Walmart or, or something yes. of that nature. That competitive analysis is really important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, the, the workforce in general, I think is struggling. I mean, we see it right. When we go to restaurants, when you, right. Right. Know, my daughter one time was taking her car and to get her oil changed. And it was about eight months ago. And they were only open on Wednesdays because they couldn't find staff. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so that is one thing that's happened with COVID is that people have learned different ways to make money, you know, working at home. And while that's great and creative and serves them well, it's, it's also, you know, uh, industries and corporations and schools are taking a little bit of a hit. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, that this mentality of let's support, let's help, let's 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 start moving towards appreciating, valuing them for what they're worth and all that they do because it is hard to be on. You know, having children, you know, children need you for seven hours a day. 
with a little break in between. It's not like going to, you know, a firm and sitting down in front of your desk and, you know, creating something on your computer. It's emotionally draining. It really is. Um, and it's the most important job in the world. So we, um, anything we can do to kind of move in that direction to pay people what they're worth, I think is great. So hopefully we've shared some good ideas. Hopefully we get some good ideas. Yeah, and if you've got if you've got questions on it, um, as Sean said, let us know. Post your questions. Send send something into Sean at, at Toolhouse, and and we'll be happy to to discuss them. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, everybody.